On this episode of The Nosebleeds, we're going to be talking about some big name returns and releases in the NFL, a brand new segment to our podcast, some upsets in college football, and the MLB wildcard race. All this and more coming up on The Nosebleeds. Life on the edge, I'm dangling my feet. I tried to pay attention, but attention paid me. Haters can't see me, nosebleeds. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Nosebleeds podcast. That is K-N-O-W-S Bleeds, because we know what we're talking about, but we sit up in the Nosebleeds because we're broke, and of course, it's me, your girl B. And to my left, it is... It's your boy. Yo, what up, y'all? It's Kush. Brandy is a little sick today, yeah, so I'm just bear sorry, with us. Everyone. Yeah, but you know she's pulling through it. So shout out to Brandy. Thank you. And this is now on the record that you can't be mean to a sick person. So Kush is not allowed to be mean to me the rest of this episode. Period. Chirp, chirp, chirp. We're the only ones in here, so that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get started. What we got on the agenda first? First things first, we are going to talk about our favorite first-time quarterbacks and. I think you know who I'm going to talk about, who showed out, came up, stepped up to the plate, and excelled. Daniel Jones, my boy. One of the best starts for an NFL quarterback we have seen in a long, long time. And his nickname, which I love, Danny Dimes. He was dropping some dimes in there. I'll give it to him. And not only was he dropping dimes, he was moving around the pocket and even came away from the pocket, and he ran in two of his own touchdowns. It has been 50 years since a Giants quarterback has rushed two touchdowns in one game. That's how well my boy did. And I can just go on and on about stats, but I think the way he played, he really showed out, and he showed what he could do. He, he did have a, a great game against a terrible secondary. So True, I, true. It was true a bad that. secondary. But no, I will give it to him. He seemed poised. He seemed like he's done this before and didn't seem like it was his first start in the NFL. But I do got to say he has to uh, probably give his, his uh, starting paycheck to the Buccaneers kicker for missing two extra points <laughs> in a field goal. So he definitely owes it to the Buccaneers kicker because I don't know. Would I don't we, think would so. we, would I don't we think be so. this hyped if it was a loss? I don't know if we, he had a great game. I mean, I wouldn't I'm be saying, this excited. I wouldn't be exactly. this, you know, I mean, so I guess, yes, I wouldn't be this hyped, but we would still be just as impressed. Yes, the Buccaneers sucked, but I don't think that they or anybody else in the NFL expected him to play that well. For sure. That I will give it to you. And yeah. so what did I say? I think last podcast and what I have been preaching since people have been talking bad on my boy, Daniel Jones, that I just want him to come up and show out and prove everyone wrong. And that's what he did. That's what he did. The Giants finally have something to be proud of with Daniel Jones, finally a quarterback that, you know, is exciting for the fans, for the team. But they did end up getting some bad news as well. Saquon Barkley with a high ankle sprain, going to be out 48 weeks, and that's rough. Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, the Giants not expecting to make the playoffs this year anyways. Would it have been a major surprise? Of course, but with the Eagles and the Cowboys in their division, very unlikely to even get that wild card spot. But... This is just their year to try out Daniel Jones and to get him those reps. So the Giants do have a future to look forward to, and that's what's most notable that we've seen from this past week. But that does suck about Saquon Barkley. Hope he gets better. There's been lots of injuries. We are recording this after, right after the Thursday night football game, Eagles and the Packers, and two players got pulled out on stretchers. That was crazy. Yeah, that's a rough scene to see. Um, but, yeah, back to the Giants. It's, 
it's something exciting to look forward to if you're a Giants fan for sure. And they also get Golden Tate back, the big receiver that they paid for. They get him back after this week. So week five, they get him back. And that's going to be something to watch for. Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard had himself a hell of a game. Evan Ingram's had himself a hell of a game. So these weapons are really showing out for Daniel Jones, helping him out get that win. So we're going to move on to my quarter, first-time quarterback who got the dub, and his name is Kyle Allen. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Like, Daniel Jones, you could, like, you know, he he had a great preseason. So, you, you know, you you were – there was some light at the end of the tunnel with uh, Daniel everybody Jones. Everybody's been hating on my boy, but go on. But Kyle Allen absolutely came out of nowhere. The Panthers were winless, and Cam Newton was nursing a foot injury, and everyone was – saying that this is the week that Kyler Murray finally gets his first NFL win, and in comes Kyle Allen, the undrafted quarterback from Houston. His first start of his career was in his home state of Arizona, where he played growing up, and that Panthers offense exploded. 38 points, 413 total yards. Kyle Allen had 261 passing yards, four touchdowns on the day, all passing, and completed 73% of his passes. I think that's the most impressive stat right there is completing 73% of the passes, which means he's not having a tough time reading defenses and he's having the ability to get the ball in tight spots. So it, Kyle Allen did a great job. You know what? Or maybe the rumors are true. Cam Newton is just bad. I mean, given the way he played in the beginning <laughs> of the season, the first two games, he was overthrowing receivers bad. Yeah, and he did not look good. And Kyle Allen is making him look even worse and now I mean, that Cam Newton's hurt. Given they were they're like like Daniel Jones, the Kyle Allen was definitely going up against a bad defense in the Cardinals. They weren't a good defense. But I think Ron Rivera came out and said that Cam Newton is still our guy, but they came out and said that he's not going to play next week. He's still nursing that injury, which means Kyle Allen has another shot to prove himself to the NFL and to the fans and to show that this game wasn't a fluke against the Texans. So, and it's on the road too. So it will be interesting. He's back in Houston where he played his college ball. So it's going to be really interesting. Wait, but does this mean that we're not going to see Cam Newton in some extravagant fashion forward outfit it's extravagant the right word to use i think so he's making he, he's taking huge steps in the nfl fashion industry he's a russell we he's, a, he's a russell westbrook of the nfl with oh, the don't. with the wild fashion statements no see russell westbrook doesn't know how to dress so that's a big difference what are you talking about holes in your shirt you, you pay more for less that's what i'm talking about right <laughs> pay there. more for less <laughs> But yeah, good. it's uh, I, I'm pretty sure those press conferences will still be very interesting, especially if Kyle Allen gets the win and he continues to ball out. If Cam Newton is out, it's definitely something to keep an eye on whether, you know, it's times are changing in Carolina. Yeah. And speaking of times are changing, times are changing for our favorite wide receiver who is in the NFL. Maybe never will be in the NFL. Antonio Brown. We're still talking about this guy. You know what? Hopefully we won't have to because the big question is, is he done in the NFL? I say yes. He just announced that he was going to enroll into college. And at this point, with everything that he's caused, with the fact that he's not listening to the Patriots and what they told him not to do in regards to these sexual um, uh, sexual assault allegations against him, he's got he's got to go. He's done. No team is going to pick him up. He is done. It's way too much drama. If not even Bill Belichick wanted the one of the best wide receivers in the league nobody's gonna want him nobody's gonna want him you'll be surprised I have a feeling he is gonna be back in the NFL 
you know, his agents are already talking. If you can see my face right now, I'm throwing, it's like a disgusted face that Kush is throwing because I cannot believe what he's saying. She was tearing me down. I thought I said something wrong, but yeah, honestly. <laughs> he did say something wrong. No, he's going to come back. His agent was on a podcast. I forgot the name, but. Oh, reliable he, source. <laughs> right. He was on a podcast, not the nosebleeds. Hopefully soon he'll be on the nosebleeds, but. And he basically said that teams are already reaching out. Yes, I don't know if that's a psychological thing, him just saying that, but I wouldn't be surprised if teams are reaching out to him. A Antonio Brown, I've seen what he did. In, like, being a Ravens fan, I've seen what he's done to our Ravens defense time in and time out. We've missed the playoffs because he's had a clutch touchdown in the last minute I of the game. I think that you guys have missed the playoffs for a few other reasons, not just Antonio Brown solely, but go on, go on. On, says the rant. gal who's finally they're finally three and oh and they can finally say something homegirl go to a super bowl first i and am then talk. riding this train all right so back 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 to the topic i think teams will definitely reach out to him and i mean he, he's just such a two-faced diva I'm, I'm just straight up gonna say it but is he a gemini oh my god i'm gonna look it up right now i don't know horoscopes so go ahead and look that up brandy but He's two-faced, doesn't know what he wants, because the whole helmet issue in Oakland, like, he was, like, not wanting to wear a helmet, so he decided he's not going to play anymore, and then all of a sudden, he decides to play, and then, but then he gets the fine from GM, and then they, he's like, all right, I'm done with this team, they release him, Patriots pick him up, obviously wearing a new helmet in that game he wore against Miami, and that kind of goes to show that he kind of goes against his word a lot. So saying that he's done with the NFL and he may have registered in school or whatever, but I still think if a team comes back and calls for him, he's going to take that offer. But the biggest thing is I think a lot of the teams are going to wait to see what the outcome of these allegations are because he he may serve a suspension. So they're, they're not going to want to sign him. And the thing is, is he can serve the suspension being a free agent as well. So that's kind of the crazy thing, too. Well, regardless of all of that, nobody's going to want to sign him. I'm telling you, he is way too much drama and he's not going to want to he's not going to want to mirror a little 10 mil. What people will probably want to pay him with all of this baggage he's got with him. I don't he's going to want to be a top paid wide receiver. No, I don't think money's an issue anymore because he's come out and said like, oh, I don't need the money. The game needs me, yada, yada, yada. It, well, and he signed for that, If you think that way, oh, the game needs me, well, then that means it mentally he wants the money. I think that but, his agent coming out and saying teams are interested, it's just, it's a psychological move. So if his agent comes out and says, oh, teams are interested, then the team's owners are like, who's interested? Maybe they talk around, then he's still in the conversation, and they still keep thinking about him. It's like, you know what? Maybe Antonio Brown can't fit on my team. And obviously, he's a great player, but way, way too much baggage. There's no way he comes back into the NFL. There's no way a team wants to take him. I for Not sure. Not even the Patriots I for sure, want to keep him. Well, I think that was the whole, like, him reaching out to that second sexual allegation kind of a thing, that, that whole ordeal. Regardless, they could have still brushed past that. How many times have we seen this in the past where an athlete or someone of high position has done something like that, and people have looked past it for the sake of whatever I, that person can I do in their the position Patriots, and Patriots their power. Were, Patriots were in a situation where they said, we're good with him we're good without him so let's just move on and it's a case like okay let's go back to kareem hunt when he kicked the girl and the video came out and escalated and everything the browns still picked him up the brat like if he that got, makes me mad i don't even want to talk about that so if if the browns start balling out after his eight game suspension or whatever it's gonna look like a good pickup if it doesn't mean anything then they won't re-sign him after the season because they only signed him to a one-year deal so i think that i think a team late 
in like maybe in the playoff push will be willing to sign him because he is still a top three receiver in the NFL, in my opinion, when healthy. I don't know because the way this is the whole his whole trial is going, all these allegations against him. By the time that time comes, that might be the time when the trials start for that. So, I'm okay. So then maybe not the playoffs. So maybe you gotta we'll say, you gotta factor in everything that's going on, not just the fact that he's a good player. No doubt in my mind, he's one of the best like NFL wide receivers ever. But well, maybe not ever ever. But he's one of the like, he's one of the best. He's he's now. up there. He's up there. He's one of the best now in the end when the he's league. actually on the field. Right. You got to factor in everything. That's, that's a lot of baggage. That's a way too much. And there are other talented, very talented wide receivers who will, one, take less money than he'll probably be willing to take, and two, are good and can do the job almost as good as him. Yeah, but nobody runs routes like Antonio Brown. I'm, I, I just think Antonio Brown is once-in-a-generation type player. His footwork, his speed, all that, his hands, all that stuff. And I think once this whole thing flies past, whether he does get a suspension, whether he doesn't get a suspension – I think a team, whether it's this year, next year, whenever maybe, a team is going to come around and try to sign him. You know what? We, we could say the same thing about Des Bryant, once in a generational player, and we are still sitting around and he is not signed. Why? Because well, a lot that's of, because of an injury. The Saints signed him last year and then he tore his Achilles. That, right. That and people don't like him because he's a dramatic and all this other stuff. People say that too about him. I. I don't know. I, I think if he doesn't get injured last year in the Saints, hell, we don't know. The Saints could be Super Bowl champions right now. We we have absolutely no idea. Well, I think Drew Brees down, maybe probably not. Well, no, I'm saying last year, because the Saints, the Saints yeah, were technically supposed to be in the Super Bowl. Argument. Yeah, you're right. You can make that argument. But yeah, I guess we'll agree to disagree. We're just gonna disagree. <laughs> <laughs> if no, listen. If Antonio Brown goes back into the league, he's going to the Dolphins. They've got nothing to lose, oh, and man. they've got everything to lose. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. I'm just going to ignore like you said that. Um, let's move on to players that are actually returning back to their teams, unlike Antonio Brown, who got booted off. We're going to switch a Melvin Gordon, coming back to the L.A. Chargers, reported on Thursday morning the Chargers could definitely use him. Honestly, I forgot about Melvin Gordon. I'm not going to lie. I forgot about him a little bit. Yeah, because honestly, Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson were doing a hell of a job, right, but right. the record would say otherwise. They're one and two. Yeah. Lost to the Texans last week and the Lions the week. The Lions. That was bad. That was the Lions are undefeated. Can we just like the Lions are undefeated? I personally right don't now. like the reason why I, I don't have a hatred for the Chargers organization at all. I don't like Philip Rivers that much, but I grew up around Chargers fans and it was just why? For no reason. For no reason. So I was happy that they lost, but also like, dang, like that sucks that you lost to the Lions. <laughs> that was bad. Yeah, it was a bad game. But I mean, a lot of that is not only their offense, but their defense as well. But let's talk about their offensive side. So the Chargers right now are ranked 13th in rushing yards per game and fifth in passing yards. So their passing game is great, yeah. given that Mike Williams is nursing injury right now. He's still questionable for this Sunday, but they're having a hell of a passing game. And I think... Melvin Gordon is that kind of player, which if you add him back into the lineup, he's he's still proven that he's been working out. He hasn't gotten injured ever since his 64-day holdout. He's not in Cabo or anywhere exotic. Yeah, and he's he's been putting in the work in the offseason and the 64 days that he wasn't showing up to training camp or practice or whatever it was. So I think they can definitely use him. They've, he's shown in the past that he is 
a big play explosive guy. So that's definitely something they can use. And I still think Austin Eckler will be very valuable to this offense because he's that running back combo receiver guy that can, you know, you also have to take into account as well. So, no, it's definitely good that Melvin Gordon is going to be back. But it is interesting because on Wednesday when um, head coach Anthony Lynn was asked is if Melvin Gordon comes back, is he going to be your starter? He said, and I quote, I don't think you just walk in camp and play right away without going through any practice. You can run and do all the drills you want, but it's hard to simulate real football, end quote. Totally true. Totally correct. But then on Thursday, on Thursday, which is this morning, he said, oh, well, he's for sure our guy. He's for sure going to start. So I just think it's interesting how he kind of flipped, like, in a day. Well, he's not going to play uh, this weekend against Miami, but he will come back the week after. But, yeah, it's – I mean, that, that's but how – But they had that's said how, on Wednesday, possibly – he said possibly week six he'll come back. So that's I mean, why yeah, I thought it was interesting. One or two weeks, yeah, I saw that. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that today, oh, well, he's our guy. Because at this point – they do need him, and I think that having Melvin Gordon in the backfield is going to help Phillip Rivers even more because, as we've seen, if you, you have a good running game, your passing game is so much better. Well, also look at it in this way. The Chargers, okay, they're going to beat Miami, so they go 2-2. Two and two. You're still 2-2. Two and two. Although if Miami beats the Chargers. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. So they're going to go 2-2, two and two, and the Chiefs are sitting at 3-0. and oh. They play the Lions this week. They're going to go 4-0. and oh. uh, And honestly – with the Chiefs probably going to win that division, especially with all the injuries on defense for the Chargers, I think the the Chargers could definitely use Melvin Gordon, whether that's next week or whatever, because these next couple games, they have the Titans, they have the Packers, they have the Bears, all three great rush defenses. So Packers? Pa- okay, besides this Thursday night game, they were only <laughs> – yeah. besides this past game that happened on Thursday night, they were only holding opponents to 11.7 points per game. But, yeah, so those three teams right there, great run defenses, and I think Melvin Gordon will definitely be valuable through that stretch. Yeah, and it's also just shifting the focus on the defense. So, Yeah, that defense is hurting without their Pro Bowl safety, Derwin James, and their other safety, Adrian Phillips. So they need to come back. ASAP and Chargers fans, you have something to look forward to these next couple. Because honestly, weeks. the AFC wild card isn't gonna be that easy either. Because like, Definitely if the Browns not. pick back up, mm-hmm. and if the Bills still stay hot, because the Bills are three and zero, so you you never know. You think the Bills are gonna beat the Patriots this week? I mean, no. There's no, no way. No, no, they're not. I'm, I mean, not, kudos for the Bills. Going three and zero, starting out this season, everyone they're, in Buffalo is excited. But there's, I'm sorry, there's no way. Yeah, there's no. no way. No, I'm kidding. And people they're, are saying, oh, it's no a good way. game because the Patriots are three and zero, and so are the Bills. No. But Definitely to be honest, not. give Josh Allen and that Bills team some credit. No, but I'm, I'm not not giving them credit. Like I said, they did great starting out three and zero from the gate. But, but they also no had, way. they also had easy opponents. They played the exactly, Bengals, they played the say. Giants, and yep. they played the Jets. Yep. So I mean, they had. Easy. Congratulations, you steamed rolled. You are a but that that defense team. that defense is still looking decent. So I I mean I wouldn't fully sleep on the Bills obviously also because the Patriots just look like they're on another level from the entire league defensively wise too because they held the Jets last week. I don't care if you're playing your third stringers. I don't they've, care. They've held teams to all together. I think what. Well, I'm saying the Jets, they held them to 105 yards. Total yards. That is absolutely insane. No, but I think the Patriots, they've held the three teams they've played, they've only they've held them to three points. 
we know the offense is going to be there with Tom Brady. Yeah. But to for the, the the problem with the Patriots every year and people asking about whether they're going to go back-to-back or whatever the case may be is their defense always struggling in the beginning of the year and then they start picking it up and they go on that ridiculous streak and then finish the year 12-4, and 13-3, and 3, whatever the case may be. But their defense, back-to-back shutouts, they're, they're looking scared. They, I, they could impressive. go 16-0. They could potentially go sixteen and zero. I, we all hope they don't, but there is, I gotta agree with you on that one. There is a really good chance they will. Let's talk about our past game of the week, the nosebleeds game of the week from last week, which was the Ravens and Chiefs, and that did not disappoint at all. Definitely not. At first, it was disappointing. Yes, it was very disappointing at first. The Chiefs took off, rolled all over the defense, and then. Lamar Jackson didn't do anything in the first half, almost Mm -hmm. pretty much. But then it reversed, and things picked up in the second half. And it was a really good game. The Chiefs ended up coming out on top, like, I guess. Did you have the – you had the Ravens. I mean, obviously, you had the Ravens, right? I did have the Ravens, but that's not me being biased. I I legitimately thought that Lamar Jackson would be able to – I didn't think he would have such a slow start out of the gate in the first half. Okay, sure, sure, I'm just kidding. No, I really didn't. Okay, so I'm going to go over my notes from the game. So let's talk about the Chiefs first. First of all, Patrick Mahomes. Baller. Baller. He's awesome. Like, he's well on his way to winning back-to-back MVPs. Uh 1,195 yards already, 10 touchdowns, and zero interceptions through three weeks. I feel like every week he's just throwing up – 300 yards and three touchdowns, like it's nothing. Yeah. He is great for my fantasy team, but also bad. Tell me why. Tell me why. I have Amari Cooper and Patrick Mahomes, and I'm still 0-3 in fantasy. How did you lose last week? Because they both went off. I don't know. That's the owner, not the players. I right know. There. It's my fault, but, you know, whatever. Moving on. No, he did and then, He goes off every week. The fact that he's been consistent in throwing over 200 yards, 250 yards every game, he's, he's going to be really, really good for a long time. And then we have Andy Reid as well, who has rejuvenated LaShawn McCoy's career to a certain extent. LaShawn McCoy looked really good out there, both running the ball and catching the ball. So, you know, they have weapons. It's ridiculous. Miko Hardman, Demarcus Robinson had that sick one-handed grab. And then LaShawn McCoy, Daryl Williams, Damian Williams, when he comes. Like, that team is just stacked. And this is without Tyreek Hill as well. Put Tyreek Hill into this, like, offense, and they're just unstoppable. Travis Kelsey, too. And the biggest takeaway I have is that their defense. Their defense has actually played a hell of a game in that first half, I should say. They held the Ravens to six points the entire half. So kudos to them. And they were definitely putting pressure on Lamar Jackson, forcing him to make plays, which he couldn't in the first half. He looked uncomfortable for the first time this season against that Chiefs defense. I kind of saw this coming because – the defenses he played in the first two weeks were some of the worst in the league with the Cardinals and the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So I, I, Yeah, we talked about this too. But I thought his confidence might go up, but at the same time, I wasn't super surprised that he was you know, not getting the ball to his receivers the way he should until that second half. He was mm-hmm. making throws, some insane throws in that fourth quarter. Yeah. So for the Ravens, I have Lamar Jackson appears to be human. But except <laughs> except when he runs the ball. Hot take. <laughs> no, it's not a hot take. But except when he runs the ball, that man had like four broken ankles. He broke four an- of those Chiefs defense ankles. It was ridiculous. And then also Mark Ingram, one of the most underrated signings of the offseason. He had 100 yards and three touchdowns. The Ravens are only paying him three years, 15 million. Absolute steal for the Ravens. 
But then that defense is the big question mark. Last year they were fifth in pass defense, and now they're twenty seventh. So that was a huge question mark. And I and uh, it's gonna be hard to win a playoff game with if the defense. But it's also Patrick Mahomes is just picking that defense Mm -hmm. apart. Definitely. Given the Ravens. Second corner, Jimmy Smith, is going to be out for a significant time with an MCL injury. And then Marlon Humphreys was out for like a quarter and a half. But still, they that, that secondary needs to get their stuff together. And then also my biggest thing was John Harbaugh. He's a great coach. We all know that. But some of his decisions were very questionable. He made – he called for three two-point conversions. At the end, yeah. Like, I get the end one at the end of the game calling the two-point conversion. But why did you call it after the first touchdown? I didn't get it. Like, just no, kick the field. You're you the best kicker. I feel kicker. like that's kind of a trend this year and kind of last year, calling two-point conversions early when they know it's going to be a good game between these teams. For example, that happened tonight, Thursday Night Football. Like, uh, early. Why? Why? I, well, I mean, I guess that's just for teams to try to get another, like, more lead, more of a lead because – Like a you, different strategy? But if you get – after three touchdowns, if you get three three-point convert or two-point conversions, I should say. So, let me say that again. If you get – Three two-point conversions after your touchdown. It's now a touchdown and field goal game. It's you just made it a two-possession game. So think about that. That's true, but to call it so early. Yeah, I mean it it's is. An- it's like it's anticipating it's going to be a close game when you should just anticipate that you're going to run all over the. Other I think team. it's just. But which with, also what with all the kickers is, that have been missing extra points, maybe that's why the coach is just not trusting just kickers. Yeah, maybe it's sketch skeptical about the kickers. It's a bold move after the first half. Lamar Jackson, you just could tell he was it was rough. The fact that he came back and he balled out, almost came back and won, that was interesting and fun to see. And that's the best part about football when it's close games. This game reminded me a lot of the wild card game against with the Ravens and the Chargers, where Lamar Jackson wasn't doing shit, but I also I don't even blame Lamar Jackson for that. I blame the Ravens past offense coordinator. But it, it reminded me of that game because he didn't do anything. And then come fourth quarter, he had almost 200 yards and two touchdowns, but it was too little too late. So that's kind of what I saw from this game as well. But look, I, there's this one play that stood out for me from Lamar Jackson, which surprised the hell out of me was that cross field throw to Willie Sneed. And it reminded me a lot of last year's game when the chiefs and Ravens played each other and it was fourth down and Mahomes had that crazy fourth down cross-field pass to Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. and then which ended up setting them up for the touchdown and winning in overtime. So that was kind of cool to see that. Lamar Tables Jackson could do it too. have turned. All right, well, let's move on to this week's Nosebleeds Game of the Week, and we have Brandy's Cowboys versus the New Orleans Saints. I'm not trying to be biased, but the Cowboys are going to win. I think the Cowboys are going to win. I for just sure. don't think Teddy Bridgewater is going to get it done. Not against the Cowboys defense. No way. That that defense is underrated. So first game, the Cowboys with the Giants. The defense did not look that great starting out the gate. And then they shut it down in the second half. And we saw this past week when they played against the Dolphins, same exact thing. So that's what kind of concerns me because they can't do this with a team like the Saints. And especially the way they've been playing. Yes, Drew Brees is out, but we've seen what Teddy Bridgewater could do. And he's not going to back down to this Cowboys team because at this point, he has everything to prove. So... And they, they still, the Saints still have one of the best running backs in the game in yes. Alvin Kamara. And yeah, they're not the to be slept on. As well. Yeah, they're definitely so, not to be slept on. So I think the Cowboys defense does need to step it up because I'm not going to lie, I was a little scared at some moments. That first half, there was a little too uneasy playing against the Dolphins. And my Even, mentality yeah. is probably like, okay, they were probably just like, it's the Dolphins. 
but honestly, the Dolphins should have put up at least 13 or 14 points that game because Preston Williams dropped a touchdown pass, which was a dime by Josh Rosen, and they missed a field goal as well. So it's like, and shout out to Josh Rosen. Yeah, he, he shout out to Josh Rosen. He, I'm, I, I'm still not a believer. I don't care what I like. I'm, I still doubt him. Such a hater. I, I, that's he, fine. He call, say, me. say he what, call it me. what you want. He impressed but me. I still don't think he's that great. I think he's overhyped. But he did make some great plays, so I will give him that. And now we have a new segment on our show called "Are You Blind?" And all sports lovers, we all know this. We love watching sports. You know who we hate? Who do we hate, Kush? Referees. Umpires. We hate them all because sometimes they're blind and they don't know. They either don't see it, they don't know what they're seeing, and they don't know what they're talking about. So. They do have a hard job, though. I will give them that. No, 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 no. This segment is about pure hate. But, but when you have replay review to see whether you like you can change the t- uh, overturn the call or not, and you still don't do it, that's what pisses me the hell off. So in this segment, we will be talking. Me and Kush are each going to pick a call of this week that we just were like, what? Like, are you blind? So... So for my Are You Blind call of the week, it was actually a collection of calls. It was last Thursday night's game, Jacksonville Jaguars against the Tennessee Titans. The officials threw eight flags for offensive holding in just the first half alone. What? That's not even the worst part. You want to know a crazier stat over that? What, that Tom Brady tweeted about it? Well, that's not a stat. Well, Tom Brady tweeted about it, and he... Quote, he said, um, just let them play, hashtag, you know, Tennessee versus Jags. And then he said, and then another following tweet after maybe like the sixth or the seventh holding call, they had said, he had said he would stop watching. If the GOAT isn't watching your game, then you're doing something wrong. The game was boring anyways. Very, very boring. And the Jaguars ended up winning 20 to seven, which is not a high scoring game at all. So I, so obviously like this was just like, Way too much, but it's interesting because one of the league's um, initiatives this year was to emphasize offensive holding, which they clearly did in this game. So then as a result of that, everybody on Twitter, if you were on Twitter at all and you follow any football accounts, they were on Twitter just complaining. Everybody, they blew up my timeline. I don't know about yours, because I think I actually saw you tweet about it, about how ridiculous all these calls were. It was bad. So as a result of that, the league told the refs, gathered them all together before Sunday and was just like, hey, let's relax because the game was low scoring. And as we all know, the NFL is losing ratings and they're trying everything they can to gain more. So on Sunday, there was only 41 flags, which, which were thrown in 14 games, which seems like a lot, but it's an average of about three thrown per game, which to me, that seems like an average amount. But some of the calls were bad. There was one which I remember where Emmanuel Sanders was blocking for Royce Freeman, and Royce Freeman had a touchdown, but they called it back on a holding call, which he didn't hold at all. He was, like, squared up, his body and everything, and Royce Freeman was running to the opposite side of where the defender reached to make the tackle, and the Broncos ended up losing by seven points, a touchdown. So these refs have been very suspect in the NFL so far. And it's, it's wild to me because there's so much technology for them to not screw this up. But well, yet they continue to screw it up. Well, holding you, it's kind of hard because you you can't you can't really review it. But with the passing interference calls and stuff like that, oh, perfect example. Thursday night football to this like on Thursday night, yeah. it was so bad. There was a clear penalty 
on Devon or on um, Maddox, the corner for the Eagles, and like clear, and they didn't call it on the field. Uh, Matt Lafleur threw the challenge flag, and yeah, they didn't that, overturn it. That that was bad. In that case, even the announcers were saying, "Yeah, you know, they have this call. We have the pass interference. You know, flag you can throw." They should have used it. They should have yeah, overturned he, like, it. And they did Mike Pereira, the, the official who, or the retired the official, official. official. Yeah, the retired official who sits in the booth. He was like, I have no idea why they didn't call that passing interference. I should have been called passing interference. And then there was another play with Kevin King and Alshon Jeffrey that might have been a passing interference call. I don't think that was a pass interference. It, it was close. But, I mean, if you're not going to call the other one, then it was good that they didn't call that one. Mm-hmm. That, but, imagine that would have been bad. Yeah. But, oh, my God, that stadium would have been gone, going crazy because it was in Lambeau. So if they would have called that passing interference and they didn't get one, oh, man, it would have been bad. But, like, you have replay review and you still don't get the call right. That's the part that pisses me off the mm-hmm. most. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's the reason why I chose that as my are you blind was because there's just way too many. And, it's I mean, at least we know that the league knows that they're going to relax on those type of calls. I but, hope so. I mean, yeah. Let them play. As Tom Brady, the GOAT, said, let them play. Or let us play, he said. So my Are You Blind call of the week is actually kind of the opposite. It was the refs not calling a flag or anything. It was about a replay review. It had to do with NCAA football, and it was Ole Miss versus number 23-ranked Cal Berkeley. And there was 18 seconds left. Third and goal on the three-yard line, and Ole Miss had the ball, and the quarterback rolls out, hits a receiver who's running like kind of a short three-yard out route. So, like, he's in the goal line, catches the ball, and the point where he catches the ball, it passes the end zone, which should have been a touchdown, but the momentum of – because it was kind of thrown a little short, so the momentum brought him out of the end zone. But if it crosses that end zone, it's a touchdown regardless. And the ref called him short. And Ole Miss had no timeouts, so now it's that was 18 seconds. So now they have to get on the line. They have to run a play. It's fourth down, so it's like, what are you gonna do? And in that instance, you like initially when they showed the replay, like you could see if you freeze frame it, the ball definitely crosses the plane. And the ref didn't go back and you know even try to review it or anything like that. And like college football analysts, all that stuff came out and said like, yo, like why didn't they go back and review it? It was really bad. And Cal ended up winning the game. And now they're ranked, I believe, 13 or 15 now, something like that, where as if Old Miss won that game, they were 2-1 going into that game, would have upset a top 25 teams. They might have jumped up in the top 25. And as we know, in college football, every game matters. If you lose one game, your college football playoff hopes can be gone just like that out yep. of one game. So the fact that they didn't call that review. That was a definitely are you blind yeah, moment. like I could see it through the TV and the, the ref is standing right there at the goal line. And that's a, like Brandy said, are you blind? So, I mean, and oh, and also another kind of uh, conspiracy about this is that so the, everything in college football is there's no challenge flags or something like that. So everything comes up from the official booth and the official booth was the Pac-12. So and Ole Miss is SEC, so maybe they're saying that the Pac-12 officials were in charge of that game, so maybe that's why they didn't call it because they Ooh. wanted to see Cal win, beating an SEC team. I don't know. If I love this- conspiracies, so I believe it. We're starting this. It's a new official new we'll conspiracy. You heard it's just, it. every, all of that first. just seems a little fishy to me, if you know what I'm saying. Hmm, does not smell right. All right, so speaking of 
NCAA football, because I believe we should talk about one of the biggest upsets that we happened had, last week. We had a big upset. A number, big upset. Number 15 ranked UCF snapped their 27-game regular game winning streak. Co-champs. And it was by unranked Pitt. <laughs> That's the craziest part. Pitt was coming into the game one and two, and they beat UCF. And it was it was in the craziest way as well. So UCF came into the game, 27-game winning streak, and they were crowned the national champions in the record book along with Alabama after not losing a single game last year, which in my eyes, I believe it's BS. It is. So... I mean, Alabama, like, if you put UCF in that college football playoffs, they don't make it out of that first round. And they probably would have been the number four ranked team, and they would have played Alabama, they would have got smacked. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. So, I don't – I mean, I guess because back then, if you go undefeated or something, I don't know. It's just – it's weird. No. But – so, basically, the way that they lost was on the Philly special, which the Pitt Panthers now call the Pitt special it was on fourth and three on the four yard line with 59 seconds left and UCF absolutely blew it all they had to do is get a stop and they ended up giving a touchdown so my whole thing is if you see a quarterback motioning out like from the Philly special like he's acting like he's talking to his lineman you see the line the running back just happens to be lined up right behind the center you know something's gonna happen and defensive players they love to hit the quarterback am I wrong you're not wrong. So if you see the quarterback lined up kind of at tight end, blow his ass up. Like, that's your one time you get to legally hit him as hard as you want. And UCF just let him go, and he caught the touchdown, and that's how they won a game. So I can't even imagine how pissed off their coach was at I mean, that point. Like, that that was a huge upset. Shout out to Pitt. Pitt special. Yeah. So they, Sounds a little weird, but... Go on. <laughs> it, I mean, they shouldn't have lost that game. They ended up doing it, but um, that couldn't be my national champions right there, losing that game. All right, so now moving on, there is baseball still going on. We're about to move into October, which is playoff season. And right now we're talking about wild card. Who's clinching the wild card? We already know who's going to – we already know who's – in the tops of the divisions, you already know who's getting home field advantage for the NLCS and NLDS. <clears throat> Go Dodgers. But let's talk about the wild card race. We'll start off with the National League. So National League, we know who it's going to be. It's going to be the Washington Nationals, Milwaukee Brewers. So Shout out to the Milwaukee Brewers, first yeah, of all, for, uh, yep. for putting it together without Christian Yelich. I was going to say, without their leader. They went 12-2 and two without him, and that bullpen being horrendous throughout the entire season the last seven i'm sorry the last 19 games they were 17 and two impressive so shout out to the brewers but we're going to talk about who we have winning the matchups because the wild card spots have already been clinched by these two teams so i have the nationals winning it how about you brandy i do as well i it's impressive and great for the brewers that they won but i don't think that they're gonna get they're gonna get past the wild card I just think that if Max Scherzer's on the mound, there's no way the yeah, Brewers the are national, winning. Which, is, which sucks because as a Dodger fan, and Dodger fans, I'm sure you would rather see the Brewers and the Nationals just because of their bullpen, but the Nationals are most likely right. going to win that one. And one of their best players all season, Yasmani Grandal. We all know how he plays in the postseason. Yeah. so Dodger fans know that. All right, so moving on to the American League where it is still very much a wild card race. Right now, it is between, well, it's pretty much the Athletics, 
the Ray, the Rays and the Indians. So the Ray, so the um, Oakland A's, they right now have, as of today, they have 96 wins. And so they're above the Indians who are third in that race, who which 93 wins. And the Rays have, are right behind the A's with 95. So as of right now, it looks like the A's are in the best position to get the first wild card spot, which I think that they will. They did lose to the Angels a couple days ago, and they almost lost to the Angels yesterday, which was kind of like, oh, like those are games they should not be losing to or they shouldn't be close. But they ended up pulling through last night, so they did come up with the dub. So they're not tied with the Rays with 95 wins, but the Indians are coming up close. They did lose today against the White Sox. Big loss. Yeah, for them. eight to zip. So that wasn't good. After beating them, what, 11-0 yeah. yesterday? Yeah, I mean, pitching. I don't Wednesday, know. Wednesday, yeah, so. But I think that it is still – I think it's going to be between the Rays and the Indians unless the A's just choke com- like completely. I think the Indians would definitely be more fun to watch, but yeah. but the Rays are taking it. They won big in the games that they needed to win, and that was against the New York Yankees. They won the last two games, and then now they have – a somewhat coasting series with the Blue Jays. I mean, they can't take their foot off the pedal just yet, but it, they're kind of coasting now versus the Indians who have to play the Washington Nationals, and the Nationals are still playing for home field advantage in that wild card game. So, I mean, there's still a lot on the line for Washington, although even though they clinched a spot. So I think the Indians have a tougher time getting that last wild card spot, which is why I think the Rays will take it, and it's going to be Rays and A's. I I I see that, and I see that's a logical thing. But I think it'd be awesome if the Indians pulled through, and they did come out and win. But like you said, three games left against the Nationals. This is going to be one of the most interesting final series of the season because they're the only ones fighting. They're both teams are fighting for something, and the Indians are fighting for much more because they're trying to get that wild card spot. For sure, I think we'd all love to see a play in right before that wild card game. To see, it'd be interesting. I was before the um, A's and Angels series. I was like, okay, the A's are gonna take this kick easy. They're playing the Angels. They're fine, and they lost the first game. And if it wasn't for a home run that Hansel Robles, the pitcher on the Angels, gave up in the last inning, they would have lost two to the Angels. Yeah, putting them behind behind the Rays, which would that's why I was just like, oh, it might be a little interesting. So, like I said, I do think you know the A's might have some potential to choke it. And if they do, perfect situation. The A's choke it. Indians come up. Then it's the Rays and the A's. And then who knows? Baseball is crazy. And it's the final three games, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I'm really, really excited for playoffs. I'm so excited. Yeah, it should be fun. Not just because I have a team in the playoffs, but I think there's just a lot of really, really good pitching in the playoffs this year. You want to know who my team I have in the playoffs? Who, like, my Go like to going to the World is. Series? No, just the team that I'm going to be rooting for the entire playoffs. What? The Atlanta Braves. Really? Yeah, because I, I really want to see them and the Dodgers meet up in the championship series. And I also have a bet with one of my buddies. It's a, it's a ruthless bet so that we, we have going motive. on. What's the bet? So the bet is, he's a diehard Dodgers fan. We know I'm a diehard Ravens fan. So the bet is if... Are the a Ravens fan? Ravens fan. Okay, so you're intertwining both sports. Huh? You're like mixing sports. Yeah, I mean, because I would say I'm, well, I mean, okay, so this is the deal. It's like, we were like, all right, you got to wear the jersey of the player you hate the most to your favorite team's home game, like their rival. So I said, my buddy, I was like, if the Dodgers lose to the Braves, you have to wear a Bumgarner jersey to a Dodgers game. And he's a Giants Dodgers game. He's going to get. 
stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you got to wear a Bumgarner jersey. I'm like, damn. All right. And then he was, I was like, what's my bet? Because, I mean, I'm an Angels fan. I really don't hate anyone. I don't hate the Dodgers as much as Dodger fans hate the Giants. You know what I'm saying? And then also, like, they... I feel like Angels fans hate... Actually, Angels... You're but there's Angels nobody on, there's nobody on the Dodgers. Don't hate anybody. You're that, right. But the thing is, is there's nobody on the Dodgers that I, like, absolutely hate or I despise. So it's like, if you tell me to wear a Bellinger jersey, like, okay, that's not really that big of a punishment for me. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for him to wear a Baumgartner jersey, that's bad. So, yeah. we had a bet. The Ravens are coming to L.A. to play the Rams. And my whole thing was I have to wear a Big Ben jersey to the Ravens-Rams game. And I'm like, I'm like that's not really fair because I only get to see the Ravens once this year, whereas the Dodgers, you can see him how many ever times you want. Like, they're coming to L.A. He was like, nope, that's the deal. And I was like, all right, deal's a deal. Dang. So... Okay, so one time I was like ten or eleven or whatever. I made a bet. So the Chargers play the play the Cowboys in preseason pretty often, mm-hmm. and so we made this bet back when I didn't know preseason didn't mean anything. And then this girl was like, "Oh, like she's a Chargers fan." She's like, "Well, we'll see. Like whoever wins a game, like the other person has to wear like the other team's jersey to school." So of course it was preseason, and the Cowboys lost because it was preseason. And my dad told me he's like, "I don't know why you made that bet. It's preseason. Like they're not gonna play any starters." I was like, or so whose jersey the, did you wear? I don't remember. I was trying to think of it right now. I I don't remember. I don't think it was Philip Rivers' jersey, which is good. I I can't, but I can. I want to say it was a defensive player. Let's see what year was that. Sean Merriman, maybe. Oh yeah, I think it was a Merriman jersey. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I had to wear that to school for a day. So ten-year-old Brandy was pissed. Kids don't <laughs> make bets. Learn from our mistakes. What was I doing making a bet at ten years old? I know. <laughs> Who am I? It's a good thing you weren't able to bet in Vegas. Which in Vegas, did you hear about that 19-game parlay? The 89-cent 19-game parlay? No, what happened? It was insane. It was or it was 19 or 20 games, so something like that. And basically, he hit on all games except the Monday night game against the Bears and Redskins. And if he won the whole parlay, I think he would have got like $500,000 wow. off an 89-cent bet. That's crazy. And he was literally one game away. Oh, uh, I would cry. Yeah. That sucks. That's that's some crying material. But that's why I don't bet because I don't get my hopes up. I'm all, I'm too broke to bet. We're too broke to bet. We sit in the nosebleeds. Do you yeah. think if we have money to bet? Our money is going towards our seats in the nosebleeds. Or maybe <laughs> we should bet because then we could win and get better seats. Okay, that is it for this week's episode, you guys. Thanks so much for listening. You know where to find us on Instagram at the nosebleeds on twitter at the underscore nosebleeds be sure to give us a like on our facebook page which is just the nosebleeds podcast and and also check us out on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, all that stuff if you have apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review say something nice about us that'd be awesome we really appreciate that and that is it and we out deuces Bye.